Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again for another episode. Today, we are going to take things in an extraordinarily different direction as I have the brothers Gallo, Gio, and Nick, co-CEOs of Compliance Line, coupled with Ronnie Feldman, Mr. Cub himself, founder of Learnings and Entertainment. And we are going to just have a fun conversation about some topics that these guys are hearing from their clients and in the marketplace, and really the thought they put into some innovative solutions. So, Gentlemen, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for uh, giving me this opportunity to visit with all three of you. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. So one of the things that I think I hear a lot and I know you guys do are the challenges that compliance leaders have in getting attention of senior management, but it's also middle management, it's lower management, it is communications. And I know each one of you guys work and think about communications a lot. So how do you help counsel a client for to get the attention that the compliance function that the chief compliance officer needs. Yeah, I think in this new chapter, we have to do different things, right? Whatever we've done over the last 10 or 15 years is not what we need to do over the next 10 to 15 years if we want to have a different outcome. So to get that attention, we have to start to do some creative things that are going to kind of change the game. And those go from leading with value and reaching across the aisle and trying to help somebody else in a different department. Those are doing sort of some of the creative things that Ronnie and his team kind of bring to the table to change the conversation and sort of add some more sort of seasoning throughout the entire dish throughout the year. But yeah, I just think it's some kind of innovation and we need to have some kind of catalyst to kind of change the way things have gone. Yeah, I think the first step to that is just, I mean, you brought it up, Tom, people are asking about it, but I think the first step to figuring this out is knowing that we have a problem. Like, listen, every employee at your company is not reading the DOJ guidance and (laughs) flipping through some new regulations or you know, just wondering in the middle of the week, hey, how should we change this policy? It's not on their mind all the time. So we have to understand the gap that we have, have a little empathy that they're worried about marketing or manufacturing or procurement or whatever it is. And those are all people who are on our team who we need to influence and recognizing that gap can kind of set us on the path to solve it. Yeah. Well, so what I find really interesting is I often get approached with what I think is the wrong problem. So they'll come to me and they'll say, hey, we want to do more burst learning like quarterly or, hey, I want to do a speak up campaign coming up or I want something for compliance week. So they have a usage occasion. That's good. But I think that the innovation that I feel that we need to bring is a basic understanding that it's not the things. The attitude is we need to have more influence. We have to not deliver a training that is marginally effective. We have to influence. So how do we solve that problem? How do we be more influential? And that may be like, hey, we don't need to do a quarterly training or we don't need to do, we don't have to fit into that cadence. How do we have more of a presence? And then that opens up the whole conversation. Like, well, how do you do that? Well, you can do things that are short and fun and interesting. You can do more live things. You can do more commercials that are embedded within the organization versus a push from compliance? And how do you do these these things in a way that people will pay attention to you and like you so that they will come and talk to you? That's how I think about it. Yeah, it's great, Ronnie. I mean, I think that the compliance 1.0 that everyone has always wanted to move away from is the check the box. But some people get kind of stuck in this compliance 2.0 that's just fill the box of like, okay, it's March, (laughs) you need to send something out. 
So let's just do more of this stuff. And it's just filling the box. And to your point, Ronnie, when we realize we have an influence problem, we have an engagement problem, we need to help people think about this differently and make different decisions, then we're thinking about that endpoint and being effective. That's compliance 3.0. That's effectiveness rather than just, hey, I need a new thing to fill this box that I've been sending an email out about. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've been thinking about lately is like, presumably, if they're listening to this podcast or the people that certainly approach your company and, and my company, they sort of want to move beyond, right? So we're not like trying to explain to them why to be different. They already understand they need to be different. They don't know how. So part of it, I think, is helping them build a business case for why this is better. So sometimes you'll get like a compliance professional in the middle and they want to influence their boss or it's the compliance officer and they have to influence the GC or the CEO. There is a good business case for doing the things that you guys are doing at Compliance Line and for what we're doing. And we need to help compliance officers sell it in because there's political capital in doing it differently. Exactly. What What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think this is 100% a game of influence. We're either trying to influence our peers, you're trying to influence leadership to get more budget. And our real kind of mandate is trying to influence the behavior within our organization. So I get that there's the objective piece, the sort of yin to the yang, the yin being the, we need to know the regulations and we need to be smart people and we need to write the right policies and be sort of articulate in those things and thoughtful about all the implications of them. But the other piece is sort of the softer side is the influence side, is the human side that's harder to quantify, harder to wrap our hands around. But that's the last mile where all the potential for sort of explosive influence is in us to really be able to transform not only our departments, but our organizations. Ronnie, you really struck me with your phrase, you're really asking the wrong question or you're looking at the wrong problem. Nick and Gio, do you guys ever have someone who comes to you and say, look, we need a hotline? And what they really need is what Ronnie has suggested. They're asking the wrong question. They need an employee engagement and you can help guide them or counsel them through. This is not having a hotline, guys. This is about having trust and a speak up culture. Yeah, it's a big thing. It's fully integrated. And, you know, it's like if you're trying to get in shape and you hire a trainer and you say, hey, I need you to help me work out harder. And they're like, well, you actually need to change your diet a little bit. And then everything else is going to flow from that. Those types of things happen. And that's why having a good collaborative approach with your vendors and your third party providers of saying, hey, here's the problem that I'm trying to solve. I was just on a call with a client about something like this yesterday where they said, hey, I need to manage this thing differently. Well, when we dug into it, it was an outcome that they were trying to get to. There are definitely those things where people say, well, I think I need some different reporting and I think I need to know this thing. And we're like, well, why? And you know, asking why helps illuminate this yeah. a lot. And you realize, oh, okay, well, I'm not getting enough reports or I'm not getting enough information or it's taking too long for us to close our cases and our investigations are too messy. There are some things that are technical and kind of hard and, you know, let's change the question type of thing to solve that. But a lot of times what it comes down to is there's a break in that employee engagement. Like you said, Tom, that, that's a great way to look at this. There's a break in the trust that employees have that the system, the process that the leaders behind it have. And, you know, often there's a break in just the first step of that of like, do I care about it? Do I know about <laughs> it? Do I know when I should engage with it? And I think that as the compliance professional as the median compliance professional in our industry moves past, I got to get this stuff done. And by past, I mean, do that and then more to I have to get it done right and be effective. We're going to see that a lot of the things that we're talking about today, a lot of this innovation is going to enable that job that you've been trying to get done and kind of struggling through for the past five years. It's going to enable you to get that actually done in a way that moves you forward rather than just kind of keeps you up to pace. Yeah. 
And Ronnie, do you find that the people that approach you are open to this conversation? You Can you have that conversation with a CCO while you're really asking the wrong question? Or there are other ways to use communications and indeed even the whole creative process that you and Learnings Entertainment employ to help build that trust and engagement? I'm sure you guys have all experienced this as well, uh, that like you get different kinds of questions that come in, right? And a client will come in and say, hey, I want this thing, or I want to see your next thing. I mean, we promote that way. We're like, hey, we got this new uh, fun, engaging thing, and people want to see it. But I find that the ones that are coming in saying they just want to see that, it's not going to be an effective relationship, quite frankly. Like, I will sell you the thing, but the companies that are really going to make a difference is if we can get to this second level of conversation, which is, what are you really trying to achieve? Can we be partners together? It's one of the things I love about the Gallo brothers here, guys, while you're there, is that when we first met, we weren't talking about selling stuff. We all have businesses to create here. But what we're talking about is like, how can we make it easier for employees to speak up? How can we make it easier for compliance officers to have that influence? I freaking love that, man, because that's honestly what's behind the things that we create. So back to your question, right. Tom, like the clients that we have that are we're really doing what I think are cool things, we're getting past that, like, I will show you some stuff, but let's have a conversation about what you're trying to accomplish. What channels do you have for communicating? How do people currently feel about ethics compliance and be honest about that? What obstacles do you have internally to doing is sometimes it's it's their uh, internal communications department has branding guidelines that doesn't let them do anything cool. And sometimes it's learning and development who wants to own it and they want to. So like I, we get that there's all these challenges. What I always try and get at is like the goal is to influence the social environment. And the best way to do that is to be interesting and short and I think entertaining because then you can put that in more places and they're going to like you more. And like, I, I mean, that's this overly simple way of saying it, but like, who doesn't, who's going to go talk to someone if they're afraid of you? No one's going to come right. seek out your help if they're afraid or apathetic or annoyed because they, you made them go through this check the box training that they hated and they blame you for. <laughs> so right. yeah. being really it's like, real thing. Nose, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm being so well, real thing. about it, you know, do it, Ronnie, do it, yeah. bring it to us. <laughs> But Nick, I'd love to get your perspective on this because I think there's a lot there. And I think there's this thing in this, like Ronnie was saying, that I think a lot of compliance professionals have been trained, hit the ROI, fill out this form, do the procurement steps, make sure you list the qualifications for a vendor. And those are all very good things, but they've been trained so hard for that that they end up kind of building their own box around them. Yeah. And I, I think that like there's been a lot of good crazy. training. Like, yeah, like you need to, to have those skills and those techniques. But also, I think that we as compliance leaders and ethics experts need to be the ones who lead beyond those strict requirements and say, well, this is what quality means. This is what is going to get us to engagement. This is the type of partner that's going to help us figure out the thing that we don't know yet. Do you see some of that, Nick, when you're talking to clients? Yeah, I do. I see that a lot. And I think it's kind of you need to get the right ingredients from the store, but you also need to cook those things properly to make the right dish. And if it's not cooked properly, no one's going to eat it. And so all we're doing is messaging in ethics and compliance. It's all messaging and all these protocols and all these things and that we're overlaying and helping other departments kind of overlay on their operations. We're not in sort of communist Russia with sending people to the gulag if they don't do what they're supposed to do. There's all persuasion in this. And if we don't have any of the interesting pieces, as Ronnie said, we don't have any of the intimacy that builds the trust. We don't have any of these things that are going to knock down the walls to reframe what our role is. 
I love Tom has talked about compliance is the monster from the island of Dr. No. If we're ever going to shed that moniker, again, like something different has to be done. And what's nice about a lot of the stuff we're talking about is that it's not like compliance officers are these weird, stuffy people that go home and just sort of watch their plants grow. They go and watch Netflix and they watch funny things and they laugh with their friends and they're just human beings just like everybody else is. And many times what I find is that when we step into the four walls of an organization, there's this sort of dehumanizing thing that happens. And we think that, oh, well, I have to act this certain way. And I have to act like kind of a mannequin, sort of a compliance mannequin. It's just about the facts and just about the imposition of, hey, we have to follow these things. At the end of the day, nobody even has to show up for work, right? Everyone decides to come to work. Everyone volunteers to come to work every single day. And so if we can understand from that perspective that we have to bridge that gap between what we're required to do and in order for us to fill our mandate to keep our organization sort of out of trouble and people out of trouble, there's that influence piece. And so that kind of opens our minds up to sort of bring some more humanity to it, to make those sort of authentic connections with the people that we're trying to influence and kind of pave the way for that feedback loop of conversation that is really the lifeblood of the culture and the behavioral reinforcement that we're trying to build toward in our organizations. Let me take things in a little bit different direction because I was on a panel this week where one of the topics was who should be in the compliance function in 2030? What skills does a compliance officer need? Mm -hmm. And I use that as an introduction to ask you guys, Ronnie, learnings and entertainment is not run by lawyers. It's not even run by compliance professionals. It's run by comedians. And, who, uh, who know compliance. Who, who know, well, we haven't gotten there yet, but he's going to tell us how. But also your creative team are your peers, other comedians, other folks that you've worked with. And you guys, Nick and Gio, you're not compliance professionals not even lawyers. And it looks like to me, your team at Compliance Line comes from a wide variety of professional and educational backgrounds. What I really wanted to explore is how you all have been able to bring these disparate groups, disparate talents to bear for your clients as maybe a guide to how compliance departments need to think about who should be a part of their compliance department or what skills does a compliance officer need beyond being able to read the law or, or read a spreadsheet? It's actually a really interesting question. Like, I kind of feel like, to be fair, like I have my environment coming from this improv background. And then as the more I've gotten to know this community, the improv, excuse me, the ethics compliance community, you start to find ways that the theater and improv and comedy world has in common. So there are other ways to get to the points that I'm about to make. But the way I see it, Improvisers are really study the whole art of listening and being focused on other people. Like the, the really interesting thing about improv on stage is when you're making up comedy on the spot, you're not in your head thinking about the clever, funny Correct. line. You're thinking about how do I support the person across me 100%. And by right. doing that, and they're supporting you and you're supporting them, you end up creating these wonderfully magical things on stage. So when I talk to compliance professionals, I talk about being active listeners. How can I help you? I'm in service of you. Being empathetic to their cause, understanding their challenges. I've worked on some programming for compliance professionals to help courses to help compliance professionals be more com better compliance professionals. And one of the things I learned there is like they always say, you need to understand the business and be involved in the business and be in service of the business so that you are solving problems together. From a practical application, I think that means like one, making tools that help 
compliance people in the business, excuse me, help people in the business do compliance. So that means like, hey, create something that's short and interesting that they can deliver so you get compliance out of the compliance office. You also have to take that extra step. Once you realize what you want to say, how can they best receive that information? So that means how you speak. So you don't have to say no. Even if the answer is no, you can say, ah, I understand. I have a different perspective. Let's talk about that. And so that's a way of of solving problems together, but you have to look at how your what your intranet site is written and presented and how your training is written and presented and how your communications are written and presented. And that takes a little bit of extra effort that I think people lose on time. They're like so busy that they forget that it's not just what you need to say, it's how they best hear it. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really great point, Ronnie. And I think the thing that stands out in relation to your question, Tom, or the part of it around who needs to be in compliance 20 years from now or 10 years from now, I think it's probably going to be a more diverse group because I think compliance as a department, as a profession, needs to be better at integrating and melding with other departments and also bringing those views into their organization so that they can have that empathy. And I think the stuff Ronnie brought up about listening, being empathetic, kind of understanding how this fits into their job, I think we're starting to realize, again, kind of the median compliance professional, we're starting to realize that us just saying what should be done and us saying that you're going to get in trouble if you don't do it is not enough to get all 500 or 500,000 employees to do it. And there needs to be something else other than, I know the regulation, I've defined what proper behavior is, and I've told people in some shape or another what to do. And I think that a more diverse set of backgrounds is going to help that. And that's something that I think we've really prided ourselves on here at Compliance Line. You know, it's something that's in my heart that I like that someone who's been in customer service or in coding or has worked in HR or learning and development or something like that comes here and we're united around our values and our mission. And we have this dual nature of work here where, hey, you're a developer and you write software, but you're also a compliance professional because you're part of this. And we certify all our frontline people as compliance analysts. And we do a lot to make sure that people know the realm that we work in. And we're always bridging this. Our founders had run compliance programs and built them from scratch and been consultants. And they built a lot of this into the DNA of the company. And now we we bring experts in and we, you know, hire lawyers for certain things. And, you know, we continue to bring that in. But I think similar to what we're doing here at Compliance Line, people in a compliance program are going to benefit over time of, They've been in marketing and now they're helping communications in compliance run this from a communication and engagement and persuasion standpoint. Or they've been in manufacturing and they know exactly what it's like. Like, hey, you know what? That message is not going to get picked up by the guys on the shop floor or the girls working a machine press or whatever. Let's work this some other way. And I think that a lot of the advice that I've seen is when you're hiring someone, you know, let's think about the compliance program and the compliance team. You should hire for fit and then kind of backfill for capabilities. And you can get someone a certification, but if they fit your mission and they fit, I think of compliance pros as we want to get everything done right. And we also want to make sure that people are cared for. If people fit that, then we can kind of give them some of those other skills. And I think that diversity is going to make the compliance function much more strategic and much more engaging, whether it's through entertainment or clarity or variety or whatever it is. Yeah, I I want to make one small little yes to all that. And I didn't want. I don't want it to sound like it's just sort of like pie in the sky stuff because someone say, "Hey, we got to be better listeners." It's hard to do. 
listening is a. I want to point out it's a it's an act it's a skill it's a muscle that can be worked. I don't know that we always think about that, you know. And I I learned this through my improv and theater background, which is that there are some practical things you can do to become a better listener, and we all need to refresh that from time to time because we all interrupt and we all pre-plan what we're going to say and we all get in our our heads and you know these are natural human instincts. But I, I guess I just wanted the listeners out there to realize that like there's things you can do to practice being empathetic. There's things you can do to practice yeah. being a better listener. Influen- so they're, they're skills. And they're all Correct. muscles. They're right. all muscles. That's right. That's right. It, if we don't have time to get into specifics on here, people can certainly contact us and we can, if we don't have the capability internally, point you to other resources as well. Yeah. I'd like now to turn to something that I found extraordinarily exciting and frankly, can't wait to see where you guys can take this which is Compliance Line and Learnings and Entertainment have sort of ventured up together to uh, help compliance practitioners. And so I was wondering if you might talk about, from both of your perspectives, why Learnings and Entertainment is working with Compliance Line, why Compliance Line is working with Learnings and Entertainment, what your offerings are going to be, and how they complement each other going forward. Great question. So for us, our whole mandate is to make the world a better workplace, right? So that means that's what we're trying to do. We kind of look at, you know, we're obviously running a for-profit business, but we look at the money as sort of a, a byproduct or an output from this sort of complex system. And in the context of that, you know, we kind of use a general framework as we look at partnerships in general. That's kind of a three-tier pyramid, which we talk about a lot. So the bottom layer is the ethos. Do we look at the world the same way? Are we trying to achieve the same goals? Do we see the same op- opportunity out there to improve things? The next layer is a synergy layer. Of does one plus one equal three? Do you have something I need? Do I have something you need? And then finally, the top is sort of the dollars and cents. And that top one is always kind of easy to get taken care of once you kind of get the other two right. So why do we partner with Ronnie? Well, I think we definitely have like a similar ethos. We definitely see an opportunity to make workplaces better by helping to activate and animate the people who are in those seats. We definitely both see that Ethics and compliance folks are smart people who care, who maybe need some more tools to help break out of the pigeonhole that they've been jammed into over the last 20 years. And I think once we get beyond that sort of ethos foundation, now it's a very obvious thing where he has some really awesome ways to help augment a program. We have some great tools that can help be a piece of the program. And when there's true synergy in the mix, one plus one can equal three. And when these things can sort of feed off of each other and bounce off of each other, there's some really cool things you can do. And what's nice about culture, which is what we think we're always trying to affect, is that it's not a linear thing. Like the progression of culture is not linear. It's definitely a parabolic thing. And you can do a couple of little things that can give you a ton of bang for your buck. And so when you put in sort of an empathetic issue intake and case management, and you put in an intake process that's not painful, that that you don't have 20% of people hanging up before they even give it or waiting 20 minutes listening to Kenny G. Muzak, and you can augment that with awareness that's engaging, that can not only begin to prompt and be a catalyst for that speak up culture, but also to help to fight this broader battle of reframing what the compliance office is, and frankly, turning the light bulbs on at the top at what role the compliance office can play in the organization's sort of pursuit of its broad mission. Now there's some really cool stuff that we can start doing together. So as sort of trite as this might sound, it very quickly, from my perspective, at least, Ronnie, I'm putting you on the spot, obviously, please say exactly what I'm hoping you're going to say. But it felt like kind of a match made in heaven kind of right off the bat. It was a very obvious thing, especially because of that ethos foundation and the opportunity we saw in the market. Yeah, I disagree completely. <laughs> you disagree. <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> <All right, well. laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. 
Yeah, I thought you, you said it really well. Like when I left Second City to build this, I felt like there was an opportunity in the marketplace to really create something that took everything that I learned from that entertainment world, but constantly create new things and to do it with the perspective that we're talking about, right? So for a personal level, I'm like, I really love the fact that ethics compliance touches the entire organization and we can actually shift corporate culture yes. to make the workplace better, right? So from the bottom of my heart, like yeah, there is a business opportunity there, but it's like, that's the fun of it. Let's right. really make an impact on the world. I mean, that's how, how egotistical I am. So there were some practical reasons like, hey, we have content that's really interesting that could be used in lots of different ways, but is often best when paired with other resources like a hotline service. And sometimes there is need for trackable training and those things. So I think our materials tend to pair really well with those things. So from that standpoint, I'm, I'm like, oh, this would be a good match. But then when I got to no talk to you guys, we sort of connected on that. I actually never use ethos in a sentence, but I think it fits in this case. Like, I think we're both trying to impact the workplace in the same way. And that's really important to me. So we hit it off right from the bat. Let me add a couple other things, though. The other thing that I really love about this partnership is you guys at Compliance Line are interested and eager and excited to try new things. Yeah. There's not this huge bureaucracy that's stopping you from, you know, trying different things to make this thing better. It's how I advise my clients too. I'm like, so why are you putting all your eggs in this big train? Like, let's Correct. try a bunch of things and it's right. going to, you're going to find out real quickly what works and what doesn't and you're going to be better off for it. it. To your point. Yeah, yeah. No silver bullets. So I wanted to point that out. Like, I love the fact that uh, we're certainly doing that too. Each year we try and introduce a new creative device, partially for our own fun and partially because we know that we have to keep evolving and innovating. Right. And I love that you all have the same attitude. And last but not least, like when I start thinking about the future of ethics compliance, one of the things that I don't think we've mentioned yet is I think the importance of ease of access of information. It's less about training on the nuances of everything. And it's more like making it really easy for people to do the right things, which means make it easy for knowledge to be accessible, make the compliance team more accessible to make the speak up reporting system more easily and accessible. So when I start thinking about that, I was like, oh yeah, these guys are really interested in putting together a very human reporting mechanism that makes it easier for people right. to do the right thing and speak up. And we're trying to make it easier for people to understand that they need to do those things. Right. So anyway, it, to me, it all made sense. And I'm, I think we have a really good foundation and I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Yeah. Thanks for that, Ronnie. Just to kind of round that out a little bit, you know, I met Ronnie and I just, I loved what Learnings and Entertainments was doing. I think that there's a lot that Ronnie and his background has to offer the compliance and ethics game around, you know, there's some humility and there's some exploration that happens in improv or, you know, on stage that I think we as a profession need to get better at of like, okay, that wasn't working. Not just let's measure it and have a dashboard, but let's try something and experiment. Right. You know, if someone's doing a comedy act or some stand up, it never really lands until you start to understand the interaction between your content and the audience. And I think the compliance profession needs a lot more of that. So it started as just, hey, Ronnie, I love what you're doing and love to like help you do it better for more people. And then we kind of found that we could probably do more of that together. So I'm excited to work with Ronnie and the L&E team, not just because they're great people to work with and, and run a great business, but because I think we can really help make the world a better workplace together. I'm excited to do that. Well, gentlemen, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time. We're going to link to uh, everybody's contact information in the show notes. 
I would encourage anyone who's listened to this to uh, contact these guys directly. They're doing some great things. I may ask you all to check in in uh, six months or so to see where things are going, if that would work. Yeah, I'd love to. Would love to. I love all the stuff you're doing, Tom. You're not just the voice of compliance. You're the heart of compliance. And we'd love to support anything you're doing, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye, everybody. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.